It's chaos. It's a different type of Sunday scary. It's your newest obsession. It's Dirty Driving, a Formula One podcast. We're the Hornsby sisters. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. Hello, everyone. We are back after a much needed Thanksgiving break, one that I forced Megan into, (laughs) which it wasn't really a break because she sent me a ridiculous amount of statistics about Lewis and Max. So we're going to take all the things that we've been talking about throughout the week and turn them into this episode that looks back on Max and Lewis's 2021 season, contemplates how it's going so far, how it's going to end, and looks towards our next race in Saudi Arabia. After all these years of Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton dominating, we've seen our first real competitor step up and challenge their reign. Max Verstappen in the Red Bull. So how did we get here? Now that Katie has made it clear that I don't know how to take a break, let's start chatting about Max and Lewis. Jerk. (laughs) Okay, so stop laughing. We need it for our mental health. Hush, stop. We're talking about race wins. Okay, in 2021, Max Verstappen has nine wins, while Lewis has seven wins. At the start of the season, in the first four races, Lewis won three and Max won one. So Mercedes came out strong, but Red Bull was showing pace. This was an interesting start to the season after we saw Red Bull perform so well in preseason practice. I knew having Lewis win that first race and then Max come and take that second race, we were going to be in for a great season. Exactly. And I think that just continued into the midseason. We saw Verstappen solidify his presence in the title fight. Lewis went five races between Spain and Silverstone without a win, and then went another five between Silverstone and Sochi without one. I mean, I felt like we were never actually going to see Lewis Hamilton's 100th win. However, in that midseason, we saw Max Verstappen win three in a row, France, Styria, and Austria. It was very clear that Max dominated the midseason, and this is the point where I think we were all kind of questioning, is this a Red Bull year? Looking back on the midseason, I think the big standout for me was Monaco. It was a real turning point for Max. He took home first while Lewis was stuck back in seventh. This is the point that Max took the lead from Lewis by just four points, and The first time I thought in the whole season that Max could have a run for the championship title. It's interesting you thought it at Monaco because I definitely thought it after Styria. I don't know why. It just clicked in me after that race. It was two in a row. And I was like, oh, this this could actually be happening, especially at a point where it seemed like Mercedes couldn't find their pace. We now know that Lewis Hamilton was battling some long COVID symptoms. He wasn't feeling well. But it was an interesting midseason. There was so many articles and so many questions definitely in both of our minds. Yeah, and a lot of DNFs and conversations between Toto and Christian that heated up the track. It, it's been an interesting year, that's for sure. And the midseason was spicy. But it only got spicier after the break. In the last four races, we can definitely see that the triple header heading into the end of the season has made a big difference. Max Verstappen took back-to-back wins in the first two stints of the triple header with the USA and Mexico. It was pretty funny that after Mexico, all of the media was like, it's Max, he's running for it, no one can stop him, Red Bull has the momentum which then was quickly about-faced when Hamilton had back-to-back wins in Brazil and Qatar. 
We all know in Brazil that Lewis Hamilton had that rocket engine, as Total Wolf is calling it. We're not going to talk too much about it right now, but it's definitely clear that the momentum swung towards Red Bull after Mexico and then back <laughs> towards Mercedes after Brazil and only and then into Qatar. So, I mean, I don't actually know who has the momentum now. I think this is either going to be another pendulum swing or we're going to see Mercedes take domination throughout the end of the season, but between the two of them, they've both shown great consistency in these past four races. They've either finished one or two, and they've really proven to all of us that they deserve to be in a league of their own. They were light years ahead of the other drivers in Qatar, and I think we're going to see the same for these last two races as well. It's pretty funny when you look at the races right now, or at least I think it's pretty funny. Some people probably think it's sad. But it's like Max and Lewis have their own race that almost should be like F1+. plus. It's just a battle between the two of them. And the other eight teams should just be awarded different <laughs> awards. Because they're just like on different level. I'm sorry. They're on different levels. Even, even Checo and Botas, who are in the same cars as the two of them, are just nowhere. They're just in a different no league. Nowhere near. Yeah. And that's crazy that you said... It's crazy that you said Formula Plus because that's exactly what I thought when I typed out our notes. I was like, there should be a Formula Plus round. So just goes to show you that the us sisters think alike. Great minds think alike. Um, maybe we should pioneer Formula Plus. Yeah, Formula Plus. Oh my gosh, that that's it. We have Formula One Plus, and instead of them racing in the Mercedes and the Red Bull, they're given the hosses. Everyone is giving them, given the Haas car. Every, All right, Formula Plus. Formula One Plus. Okay, Formula One, you'll be seeing a business plan from us any day now in my spare time. <laughs> in my spare time. In Katie's spare time. I have zero spare time. Um, <laughs> I think what's also cool about this year is like to bring it back to normalcy is that both of them have won their home races this year. So we saw Lewis win at Silverstone. We saw Max win at Zanvor. And both of those are fucking cool. <laughs> And you know what? I think that was very grounding. It was almost like a um, timeline cleanser. It was a race <laughs> schedule cleanser for everyone. Like, Lewis won at home. Max won at home. We are all cleansed. We are all back and happy. I mean, it was so cool to see the first Dutch driver win a Dutch Grand Prix. It was really cool to see how much the British still love George. I- oh, I almost said George. Oh, she slipped. How cool it was to see the British people show up for Lewis Hamilton. I mean, I'm going to go right now. I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going George Russell at Silverstone next year. Another British driver. First year at Mercedes. I feel like he, I'm calling it, George Russell, Silverstone 2022 is going to be his his first Formula One win. His first ever win. Wow, let's manifest that. I'm going to manifest that. We're going to start a prayer circle. Oh my gosh. We're going to start a prayer circle on that. And if you haven't, if you have not seen what Lewis has said about his future driving partner, George, we'll post, we'll put it up on our story on Instagram, but he just had the kindest things to say about his new teammate. He's looking forward to not only competing against him in the same car, but partnering and mentoring with another British driver. So just, I'm so excited to see those, that duo. And I think they're going to give Red Bull a run for their money. Also, if you'd like to join our prayer circle, slide into our DMs, we can make it like a virtual prayer circle. Yeah. We, we could get, on that Zoom we could get some candles with George's face on them. 
Okay, starting a new merch line. Again, in my spare time. In Katie's spare time. Sorry, again, none for me. Zero spare time. Okay, so I think the other cool stat that I wanted to talk about, I wanted to make sure that we talk about, and I put it in here in bold, is spa. So we all know that spa was a literal disaster. And genuine, I do, I, genuinely, I don't think that literal disaster really accounts for how pathetic it was because it was so wet. I'm going with it was a Titanic disaster. <laughs> oh, um, no one died, luckily. Like, I mean, my soul. My time died. Uh, my day. That Sunday was legitimately scary. <laughs> um, but in terms of spa, if the spa disaster, correction, if the spa Titanic disaster had resulted in no points, considering it was the shortest Formula One race in history, if they had not awarded half points, so that would have been no 12.5 to Max, no 7.5 to Lewis, the title fight would literally be separated by three points, with Max having 339 and Lewis having 336. So imagine that. We could be just that much closer. I I think I want to ask a question is, you know, should we have gotten points in spa? I think at the time I was so mad. I was like, whatever, give them the points. Like they suffered through hours. But now that I look back and I realize that those points, which equates to 20 points divided by the divided between the two, could really genuinely have such an impact on the race or race season, considering we're contemplating a tie going into Abu Dhabi. So if if we were now at three yeah. points each, what would happen this weekend? There'd be less of a chance that Max could win this weekend mathematically. It would put us that much closer in the running. Yeah, I would agree. In I would agree with you that in that moment I was fine with it, but now I'm kind of like, mm, maybe we should have just scratched that race, which maybe will happen in future. It's a learning point. The FIA is always saying, you know, we're learning every race as well, so. I mean, it was kind of cool to see them parade around in their Formula One cars in the rain. Not really. It was so annoying. I'm not. Yeah. I try. I tried to have a silver lining there. It was stupid. I mean, George got a podium, so I'm happy for him in terms of that. But also, like, do you really want your first podium to be from the spa Titanic disaster? And are we really still having all these half points? Like They're annoying. They're annoying. Half points are annoying. Genuinely, Max and Lewis could have 0.5 in their total points ever for the rest of history. And how dumb would that look? It's all Spa's fault. All the Titanic water disaster. It's my new line. Okay, other than Spa, now that we've gotten out our demons on that, I am going to then use this as as a, a moment, George's first podium at the disaster, as part of the reason why we should manifest in the prayer circle again. Okay, in terms of pole positions, let's compare both Max and Lewis. So Max has nine for the year compared to Lewis's four. Wow. Kind of insane when you look at it that way. Very insane considering that Lewis was the one dominating pole positions just last year. Exactly. Especially, I think pole is also so important this year because of the next two, or we just had a new track, but then again, in the coming up weekend, it matters for these new tracks. And and Hamil- one of Hamilton's four was last weekend. He is amazing at transforming pole positions at a new track to a win. He's done it three times before, including last weekend. I mean, this is a mass. I mean, I think if he gets pole, he wins Saudi. It's a massive advantage. 
at any track, let alone, like you said, a brand new track. And I, I don't know if he's going to get pole. I think Mercedes, from what I've been reading, is favored to do really well here. They've got the long straights, and with Matt, and with what Lewis has shown us in these past two races, and you know we're getting the spicy engine back as well. I think um, I'm right there with you. I think Lewis is taking pole. I'm also gonna just start manifesting that if knock on wood, if Lewis does well, that they put the engine, the spicy engine, in its own separate display case and literally put spicy engine in front of it. The spicy engine. <laughs> like I think that's what they have to do. Again, Mercedes will reach out for our ideas. Katie will do it in her spare time. Yeah, we'll be sending you ideas. <laughs> um, so, considering the massive discrepancy in pole positions between Max and Lewis, it is kind of crazy to think that they both are tied with five fastest laps each. Again, fastest laps only really give you one point at the end of the race, so five points to each in terms of the title fight. But we have two more up to grab, and they are going to play a big role considering who wins, who gets the fastest lap. Especially this year, I think the henchmen, a.k.a. Checo and Valtteri, are going to play a massive role like they have all year. Valtteri has taken four fastest laps while Checo has taken two. So imagine if those points had been distributed to Max and Lewis and where we would potentially be. Lewis could be closer to Max. Max could be further away. It's just insane, and there's going to... It's just insane how much strategy goes into it at the end of the race on who pits, who gets softs, who gets out there and grabs it. Not going to lie, Katie, I'm going to predict it. Maybe not predict it. Suggest that it's probably we're probably going to see it this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if we see both Checo and Valtteri, if they're still in the race, pitting for softs to steal it away from the other. Yeah, and I mean, it is the greatest secret weapon when it comes to stealing points. Both Valtteri and Checo have proven to us that they're capable of doing this. I have a little bit more faith in Sergio these last two races, just compared to how Valtteri's been performing. He seems like he's maybe even checked out a little bit in terms of you know how Qatar went. But Sergio has definitely done the greatest wonder in the world and the greatest sidekick job to Max Verstappen. We have seen the best fight we've probably ever seen in Formula One. And not only has it done wonders for the sport and will continue to do so in these last two races and for seasons to come, but I think this is really the first season that we've seen Max Verstappen show us what he can do and shows us that he deserves to be in this title fight. Other than those three DNFs and that ninth place finish in Hungary due to that Valtteri bullying incident at the beginning of the race, he has finished in first or second at every single race this year. That is impressive driving. It's great driving. And I know that Megan and I go back and forth on whether Max is a Max's character and Red Bull's character deserves to win the championship, but... I truly think that compared to last season, we've seen great strengths in Max. Last year, Max only had two wins compared to Lewis Hamilton's 11. In pole positions, Max had one. (laughs) Now he's beating Hamilton, who had 10 last year. And fastest laps, Max also had three and Lewis had six. So we've seen that... We've seen a new level of Max Verstappen this year, and I don't think that's going anywhere for these last two races or for future races. I think we've also seen, like, a whole new level of Red Bull. I mean, it's the car, it's Max. 
I think he's driving at the top of his performance. I think he's going to be even better next year if he has a car that supports him. It has been impressive this year. And I think all of the statistics you just listed off, considering Hamilton's wins, Hamilton's polls, even if Hamilton wins at the end, I don't think people will be as disappointed as they were last year because there was a fight to the end. I felt like it was a little boring last year, and I'm a massive fan. So for anybody new to the sport, they were like, Shh, this dude just be winning all of them. We saw it in 2020 where Lewis took the driver's championship in round 14 in Turkey. So this championship race has really brought us to the end and has shown us probably 100% the best season of Formula One that I've ever watched and one of the best seasons, like I've said, that we've seen in many years in this sport. It's entertaining. It's entertaining. And every race is like, who's going to win? Who's going to have the momentum? Who is going to have the right car set up this year? It's been going back and forth. So it's kept our attention. It's been kind of crazy that while last year might have only had 17 races, we essentially had three where the ultimate prize had already been awarded. So we're out here racing. I mean, obviously, everybody behind Lewis is trying to establish third and fourth. But it was kind of boring after that. It was a little like, okay, we already know. Like, it's done. The year's over. So to see it go the full 22, an additional five races from last year, and have it be entertaining for those additional five, I mean, I'm in. It's been great. I love it. This really gives me hope for next year and the year after that. I truly think the FIA, while you know the new regulations and the new car and the new budget caps have caused a big whirlwind in the sport, it's already proving that it's working. I think part of it that's also working this year that's kept it entertaining is sprint races, which crazy to think about those in terms of how they've shaken out the points as well. Max Verstappen, between the two, Max Verstappen has been supreme. He has scored seven points in the sprints compared to Lewis's two points. So at Silverstone, we had Max win with Lewis in second, even though Lewis lined up in the first spot. At Monza, we had Max P2 and Lewis P5. And then the same thing we saw in Brazil. The difference in Brazil is we saw entertaining Lewis Hamilton screaming through the entire field to end P5. But the sprint races themselves have completely changed the title fight and strategy. Without the sprint races, Max would be three points above Lewis at 345.5 to 341.5. I mean, again, we could see three points difference. Between the sprint races, which we're going to see six of next year, and the collisions, which I know you're about to talk about, it has been a insanely good year with phenomenal driving between the two of them. And that's why I think we're at this point where I'm not even sure which one deserves to win. Let's take it back. I mean, I I think we step back again before I jump into this and talk about the two collisions because you mentioned them. Silverstone, we saw Hamilton, who was judged to be at fault for the crash in lap one, given a 10-second penalty, he would go on to win the race, 25 points for Lewis, maxes out. Monza, we see Verstappen judged at fault for the crash, takes both of them out of the race, they both DNF, no points for either. So again, that was the moment where the points all of a sudden got jumbled again. There were questions about how the rest of the year would filter out. Monza was early. Silverstone was early, so a lot of people were like this. In fact, I think I might have said it. This will happen again. Everyone was predicting it, and it might still happen again. Oh, I know. Total Wolf is out here saying that there is a chance that 
the last race in Abu Dhabi, whoever is ahead in the points could do something like the Senna and Prost days. Senna and Prost years where they intentionally took out each other. I would like to think that neither of them would like to win a race that way and win a championship that way, but I don't know them personally. I don't know what it feels like to be competing for a championship of this magnitude, so I hope that we don't see them crash. I really hope that there's some clean racing in these last two races, but I can't say yes or no. I can't say yes or no. And, and even if you take out the intentional stuff, there is a chance that a crash just happens, whether it's deliberate or not. Max has that yield or we crash mentality that I'm going in. It's either you that backs out or we're going to collide, which completely goes along with Christian Horner's philosophy because Christian Horner was in Drive to Survive telling Pierre Gasly, I don't care if you crash the car. I want you to go for it. I mean... Max for years has contended he's not an aggressive driver, but we have seen on track that he is. He makes it difficult for people to pass. Years previous, Lewis has decided to yield because he was winning the title race. He didn't need to engage in something that could take him out of the race. Now Lewis can't avoid it. He can't yield. If he backs out, there's a chance that he loses position and doesn't get another opportunity. They're both going for it, and it puts us in dangerous racing territory. It's awesome to watch. It's dangerous. I co-signed this message. I have, I have nothing else to add to that. She did a great job. I got in my feels on that one. I got in my feels. But let's get a little techie. Talk to me about Mercedes engine. Okay, let's talk about the engine. The rocket engine. The spicy equipment. The spicy Mr. car. The spicy car. I mean, I've always thought the Mercedes looked spicy, but woo, that engine though. Okay, so... <laughs> In Brazil, we saw Mercedes, specifically Lewis Hamilton, take the engine penalty and upgrade to a new power unit. That new power unit has allowed them to fully exploit the upgrades that they fitted onto the car at Silverstone. And it is now finally a car that is tuned to where Lewis Hamilton wants it to be to be successful. We have known since, since testing that Mercedes have called their car a diva. It was hard to set up. It was sometimes a mystery of why it would perform, why it wouldn't perform, why it was hard to find a sweet spot. And really, it has left Lewis Hamilton frustrated and, you know, wrestling with a car that he doesn't not necessarily feel comfortable in. I don't think that's the right way of saying it, but isn't the right setup to be successful. It's clear they found it. They found it in Brazil. In Qatar, we saw them about face and switch back to their old engine, which I think totally fits Mercedes' strategy. Their goal and the reason they took the penalty in Brazil was to have the two engines to juggle between till the end of the year. Awesome, awesome planning for them. But Total Wolf, like we have said, has made it very clear we will see the spicy equipment, the rocket engine out in Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi. And I, for one, can fully say that I am pumped to see how it performs this weekend. The Mercedes trackside engineering director, Andrew Chauvelin, explained that low sail was less of a power-sensitive circuit than Jeddah in Saudi Arabia and the Yas Marina in Abu Dhabi. So just like Megan said, they chose to use the older engine in Qatar because it wasn't needed. And that's why they're doing the balancing between the both and saving the spicy one for the last two races where they can have the most power that they possibly can, which could win them the championship. Okay, let's talk rear wings, because they've clearly been on everyone's mind. Mercedes rear wing 
has become an issue for Red Bull. Red Bull believes that the straight line speed that Mercedes have found doesn't come from that spicy equipment, but comes from an illegal rear wing. Red Bull team boss Christian Horner has said and has seen some score marks on Mercedes' rear wing. He believes, along with Red Bull, that Mercedes' rear wing's main plane is deformed on track down the straights at high speed, which reduces drag. And he, they can tell that because of the marks in the rear wing end plates. Red Bull has gone on to say it's very clear to us what has been going on. Interesting remarks from Red Bull. Mercedes responded, trackside engineer, again, Andrew Chauvelin, came out and said that we had a look at it and there are no score marks. We've invited the FAA to look at it as much as they want. They don't have an issue with what we've got. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, we really just don't know. We're not there to look at it ourselves. And I think even if we were, (laughs) Megan and I are not mechanical engineers. No idea. It can't be seen on TV, and most people don't know what they're looking for, so it really just comes down to the FIA wanting to take that rear wing in and looking at, and look at it or to not. Mercedes will probably use it in Saudi Arabia, and we'll probably see a Red Bull protest from it. It'll be interesting to see the results of that. Yes, it will. Now let's talk about the Red Bull rear wing. So they are still looking, they had a little bit of an issue that they're still looking to fix. And it's this flappy top wing that we can see in their medium downforce configuration. We saw videos of this flapping around in the Qatar practice, which is why they switched over to their high downforce wing to actually race with. They believe it is caused by the actuator element. It doesn't actually offer any performance advantage, but with so much talk about the rear wing this year, the FIA could get involved and maybe want to take a look at it mainly for safety reasons. And in Saudi Arabia, we'll most likely lean towards a low or medium downforce configuration. So there's a need for Red Bull to figure this out because it won't be helpful for them to use that high downforce configuration. Christian Horner said, obviously we need to have these fixes in place to straighten them up and the DRS mechanism. So the DRS actuator, actuator is an annoying name to say, is a homogenated component for 2021. It's not possible to change the design at this stage of the year. This year, the FAA included the DRS actuator and linkages in the homalgamation list for 2021. Homalgamation literally just means a standardized part that is required to go racing. So don't let that word confuse you. Why did the FAA do it? To significantly reduce the R&D and component costs for 2020 and 2021. So again, this ties back to what Katie and I have been talking about again and again and again. These cost-cutting measures, these budget-constructing measures are playing playing a factor beyond just limiting how much money they have. So how exactly does this make R&D different this year? In past years, teams could match, evolve their DRS actuator to suit each of the three downforce settings. So that would be high, medium, and low. Under the new limits, they cannot do that. So this year, if... Red Bull wanted to do the redesign, they would have to spend one of their two development tokens at their disposal. Unfortunately, and why this is so important for Red Bull, is Red Bull has already spent their tokens at the start of the year on a new gearbox. So they can't get a redesign and are going to have to figure it out in-house. This season, we have seen the leader of the drivers switch five times and have really not seen a clear advantage for either of them. There's a maximum of 52 points on the table for the rest of the season, and there are currently eight points keeping the two of them separated. 
Mathematically, Lewis cannot win the championship this weekend, even if Max does not score points. There are currently four scenarios in which Max wins the championship if they both finish the race. Number one, Max takes first and the fastest lap while Lewis finishes lower than sixth. Number two, Max takes first and Lewis finishes seventh or lower. Number three, Max takes second with the fastest lap while Lewis finishes 10th or lower. And number four, Max takes second and Lewis does not score any points. Four options. <laughs> and then Max will win. Four options. I don't see any of these occurring, but Lord knows what will happen. This all predicates on Lewis Hamilton being essentially lower than sixth. I and I just, I just uh, don't see that happening. I don't not, see it. Not at this point in the season. So No. And you might be wondering what happens if they tie at the end of the season. And it goes into a dead heat, which the FIA thinks of everything. <laughs> they are simply just prepared for everything that might come their way. So the win, the championship, will go to the winner of the most races. And right now, that is Max Verstappen. He's up by two first place podiums. Realistically, this one is going to come down to the wire. And I've decided I have not consulted Katie. So get ready, Katie. Let's see oh what boy. you think. <laughs> oh, boy. I think that if Lewis wins, me and you both get Lewis Hamilton shirts and wear them on the back of our New Year's Eve card. Not New Year's Eve. New Year's card, Christmas card thing. And if Max wins, we both get Max shirts and wear them on the back. I think that's fair. Not really a wager, but a little fun in there. Not really a wager, but it's there. Yeah, I mean, I've already placed some money on who's going to win this championship. I, It's not who I'm rooting for. <laughs> you, um, cats out of the bag there. Cats out of the bag. I think I'm rooting for Max. I'm just going to say it. I'm rooting for Max because, like I mentioned earlier, he has shown us what he can do this year. I think this is the first season since 2015 when he started seven seasons later that he has shown us that he deserves to be in that race, in that championship run. And so I'm rooting for him because I think there's a lot of people against him. I love a good, I love a good underdog, and he's proven it to me. Now, before Megan goes... I have to say this, because we have to remember who the GOAT of Formula One is, and that's Lewis Hamilton. And that's why I placed my bet on Lewis Hamilton to win the championship, because I don't think he's letting Max take this win. And the thing that really stuck out the most for me is back when he was competing against Nico Rosberg, Lewis came back and won the last four races of the season to take the championship, and I think that's what we're going to see here. And with that, I'll give my prediction clue style. I'm going Lewis Hamilton in Abu Dhabi with the Mercedes. Period. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I will always root. I'm such a sucker because I have to root for everyone. You literally it's really can't. Hard for, it's really hard for me to root against any of them just because that's not how I got started in this sport. I got started on, like, the educational basis, but... I think it would be brilliant for Max or Red Bull to take one of the titles and really give us an even more fiery battle for next year. Because either way, next year is going to be great.
Up next is the Saudi Arabian GP in Corniche, Saudi Arabia at the Jeddah Corniche Circuit. The 50-lap race takes place on Sunday, December 5th for round 21 of the season and our second night race in a row. And we do love a night race. This weekend will be the inaugural race at the Temporary Street Circuit located in the ancient city of Jeddah, specifically Corniche, a coastal resort area. This circuit is fast, very fast. Simulators suggest that the cars could hit 322 kilometers per hour with an average speed of 252 kilometers per hour, which is quicker than Silverstone and makes the Saudi Arabian track the second fastest of the season, only behind Monza, the Temple of Speed. It will be the fastest street circuit and has the most corners on the calendar with 27. 16 of those are left-handed and 11 are right. Turn 13 is a hairpin with a 12-degree bank that is steeper than the Indianapolis banked corners. With three DRS zones, which are subject to confirmation by the FIA, we expect an action-packed race this Sunday. This will be the inaugural race at the Jeddah Corniche Circuit, which mathematically could see Max Verstappen crowned world champion. They are currently eight points apart with Max Verstappen leading and chasing his first World Drivers Championship. Our prediction is that they go into Abu Dhabi tied because why not complete the most dramatic season with the most dramatic ending possible? Tune in this weekend to see what happens and join us next week for our race recap. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us at Dirty Driving Pot on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, stay dirty.